Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Hello, I'd like to welcome you today as we continue in our study in the book of Exodus. Let's look to God in prayer. Father, we look to you and pray that you would open the eyes of our understanding that we might see the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for the Holy Spirit to be our teacher today as we study in the book of Exodus. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you please follow along here in Exodus chapter two and beginning in verse 11. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out into his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian, spiting in Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and he said to him that did the wrong, wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me, as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now, a little bit of review. Verse 11 here. This is the response of the Jewish people. And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? Moses feared, and he said, surely this thing is known. So in our last study, we saw how Moses was shocked that to learn that there were really two enemies of the Jewish people. One enemy was external. That was well known. That was well identified. That enemy was represented by this one Egyptian beater of the Jewish people, of this Jewish people at that time. The Jewish people were slaves to the external Egyptian beaters. And on the first day that Moses went out to see his brethren, when Moses saw this one Egyptian beater whipping one of his brethren, Moses clearly identified this man who was beating the Jewish man. He identified him as the enemy of his brethren. So we have to now ask the question, Moses, what went on on that day when you killed the Egyptian? Did you let your passions just run wild? Moses, were you out of control? Moses, what were you thinking when you killed that Egyptian? I mean, that's the question that's on the table that we need to answer. This is the question. What in the world was Moses thinking when he killed that Egyptian beater? Now, the answer to that question of what he was thinking when he killed the Egyptian is given to us by Stephen in his last words in Acts chapter seven, 
verse 25. And please turn to that. This is gonna be a key verse here as we go through this passage in Exodus, Acts 7, 25. And we're gonna get the answer to this question of what was Moses thinking when he killed the Egyptian? Because the answer to that question as to what Moses was thinking when he killed the Egyptian is very, very important for us to really understand where Moses was at in his thinking. And it says in Acts 7.25 that he understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, would deliver the Jewish people. That's the statement in Acts 7.25 that guides our thought, that guides our understanding as we consider this question of where was Moses' head at? What was he thinking when he killed the Egyptian? Moses understood that God by his hand was going to deliver the Jewish people. So with this understanding in his mind, Moses kills this Egyptian beater and he buries him in the sand. So from Moses' understanding, with the killing of this Egyptian, this Egyptian beater of the Jewish people there, Moses had begun, this was the inaugural act the beginning of his work of God by his hand to deliver the Jewish people. Moses also understood that God by his hand would judge or govern the Jewish people. So in verse 13, when Moses tried to end this fight between these two Jewish people, when he tried to reconcile these two warring Jewish people together, and what he was saying when he said to the to the one that did the wrong, wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? With that statement, that was Moses' inaugural statement to begin his work of God by his hand governing the Jewish people. So what happened on these two momentous days in Moses' life was a momentous start of the work of God by Moses' hand to one, deliver the people from the Egyptians, and two, to govern the Jewish people. Now, this brings us now to verse 14, very important where it says, and he said, this is where the Jewish person did the wrong, is responding back to Moses, very important words when he said, who may be a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. So this Jewish person responds now to Moses, but in his response of what he says to Moses, he is now a representative for a pattern or for a typical response of the Jewish people. He starts off by asking this challenging question of who? Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Who? This person, by this question, is challenging the authority of Moses. He's really asking, who made you over us? In other words, what is your authority? And he write, this question of who reminds us of two all-important who questions in the Bible. The first all-important who question in the Bible is asked by man, and that question is very simply, who is the Lord Jesus Christ? Each person's answer to that question of who is the Lord Jesus Christ will determine 
for each person whether that person will spend eternity in heaven or whether that person will spend eternity in hell. If a person answers the question of who is the Lord Jesus Christ with an answer like this, he's merely a man. He's a great man, but he's just a man. He's a prophet, he's a great prophet. He's a, he's a man of wisdom, a very wise man, the wisest man, but nothing more than that to me personally. If a person says that, then that person will spend eternity in hell. If a person answers that question of who is the Lord Jesus Christ with, he is a great king, he's the king of the Jews. He is God, come in the flesh. He is the savior from sin. But nothing more than that, to me personally, than that person will spend eternity in hell. But if a person answers that important question of who is the Lord Jesus Christ with this, he's the king of the Jews, he's my king. He's God come in the flesh, he's my God. He's the savior from sin, he's my savior. He's my personal savior. He's the Lord of my life, and he is my personal savior from sin. That person will spend eternity in heaven according to the Bible. And that's why the answer to this all-important question of who is the Lord Jesus Christ, that's why it's all-important, because it determines where a person will spend eternity and what could be more important than that. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ was very interested to know what each person said as to that question, and that's what he asked in Matthew 16, 13 through 18 when it reads like this. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? There's the question he asked. He wanted to know, what do others say? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some, Elias or Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Then verse 15, he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, what rock? The rock of his confession. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. On each person's personal confession, that's the rock, and submission to the Lord Jesus Christ as God come in the flesh, that would be what he would build his church on. In other words, every person within his body, within his invisible body with the church, that's what the church refers to, every person makes that rock confession that you are the Messiah, you are my Messiah, you are the Son of the living God, you are my God, So the first all-important question, the who question in the Bible is, who is the Lord Jesus Christ? But there's a second all-important who question in the Bible, and that's found in Isaiah chapter 53.1, where that all-important chapter, right in the heart of the Bible, like it's the heart of God, Isaiah 53, describing 
the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ for our sins, and that chapter starts with the word who. It says, who has believed our report? Who's asking this question? God is asking this question. God is wanting to know, just like the Lord Jesus Christ, who was asking the question, whom do men say that I am? Whom do you say? God is asking, wanting to know, who believes the report of Isaiah 53? And that's what it says, who hath believed our report? So Isaiah 53 is a report. It's a report of what? Isaiah 53 is a report of how the Lord Jesus Christ was, according to verse 11, the righteous servant of the Lord, who was sinless, according to verse nine. He hath done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth, who was the justifier of the ungodly, according to verse 11. My righteous servant shall justify many, and he justified many by taking our sins on him, According to verse 11, my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. And when he did that, he was, according to verse 5, wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the punishment for our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we're healed. So now, the second all-important question in the Bible of who, that question God's asking and that's Isaiah 53, open with this, and who has, according to verse 10, made his soul an offering for sin. That's what God wants to know. Who, when it says, who has believed our report, it starts out in verse one, it really gets down to the heart of the matter in verse 10 of Isaiah 53, when, it, when God really is asking, who has made his soul an offering for sin? Who has made the soul the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, their personal offering for sin. Who has trusted the Lord Jesus Christ in his death to pay for all of their personal sins? Who has made the Lord Jesus Christ his personal Lord and Savior? That's God's question of who. Now, this challenge to Moses, who made thee, was really a rejection of his authority. The challenger of Moses asked this question, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? It was the authority of Moses that was being challenged. This was not the first time, or sorry, this was the first time, but this is not the last time when the authority of Moses is going to be challenged. Challenging the authority of Moses was going to be a sad, unfortunate, recurring event on the part of the Jewish people. For example, there will come a time, as we'll see, when Moses will marry an e a black Ethiopian woman. And when he did that, his authority was challenged, and that's given to us in Numbers chapter 12, verses one through 10, and here's how it reads, and, who, and we'll see that the actual people who challenged his authority was his own sister and his brother. They were very offended that he had married a black woman, it says, and Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, 
Come out, ye three, unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. They both came forth, and he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches, and in the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed, and the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, behold, she was leprous. So in this particular case, we see even his own sister, Miriam, and his own brother, Aaron, they were the challengers of Moses' authority because they were prejudiced against black people, and they could not accept that their own brother Moses had married a black woman. And it appears that Miriam, Moses' sister, she was the most outspoken. It appears she was the the most outspoken against Moses for marrying the black woman, and that God, in essence, said to Miriam, Miriam, he was, God was so angry. Miriam, in essence, was saying, here, Miriam, you like white? I'll make you white. You can be white with leprosy. It was an anger of God. In the same way, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ was continually challenged. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 23, we read this. And when he was come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, by what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? Does that sound familiar? Just like they said to Moses, like that man said to Moses, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you will tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it, from heaven or of men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, if we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, why did ye not then believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, we cannot tell. And he said unto them, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. So here were the religious leaders. They were the religious leaders who challenged the Lord Jesus Christ. They could not deny the wonderful miracles, the works, the teaching that he was doing. So the only thing they could do was to challenge or question his authority. By what authority he did it? They claimed later that he was doing those miracles by the power of the devil. Now, this person who challenged Moses was challenging Moses as a prince. It was known that Moses was a prince in Egypt. He was the son of Pharaoh's daughter that made him a prince, so he's a prince. But with scorn, this Jewish person was saying, you might be a prince over the Egyptian people, but you're no prince over us. That's what he meant when he said, who may be a prince and a judge over us. He was saying, Pharaoh's daughter may have made you a prince over the Egyptian people, but who made you a prince and a judge over the Jewish people. 
That is quite a welcome for the greatest deliverer that the Jewish people ever had from Moses. And it reminds us of the announcement that God the Father made at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He made that announcement in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six and seven, where the Lord said, for where it was said, really, it's Israel speaking, and it says, for unto us the child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So who made the Lord Jesus Christ a prince and a judge over all? God did with this verse in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 where he introduced the Lord Jesus Christ, not just as the child that was born, but the son that was given, God the son. Not just the one who would be called the son of man, but the one who would be called the mighty God, the everlasting father. Not just a prince, but a prince of peace. Not just a king to sit on the throne of David for a limited time as other kings had, but a king whose increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Not just a king with a temporary kingdom, but a king with his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, no end. And when the Lord Jesus Christ came, he said in John 9, 39, and Jesus said, for judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not, might see, and that they which see might be made blind. When he came into the world, he saw those who saw in part who he was because they believed, and they wanted to see who he was, and he opened their eyes. Those which see not, he caused to see. He opened their eyes so that they could see what they didn't see, see him more, recognize him more for his deity and his, his glory, and he saw those who would also not believe and who had made themselves blind to any amount of light about him as to who he is, and he made it so that they could not see who he was. In fact, it was at his trial when the Lord Jesus Christ spoke about his authority. That's when the leaders condemned him. In Matthew 26, 64, it says, Jesus saith unto them, thou hast said, nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest ran his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He's guilty of death. Now, verse 14 in Exodus 2.14, And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? And then he went on to say, Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? This accusation of Moses, against Moses, of wanting to kill the Jewish people, this was the first time that Moses was accused of wanting to kill the Jewish people, 
And it became a pattern where the Jewish people would blame Moses, sadly, unfortunately, a number on a number of occasions for wanting to kill the Jewish people. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 